What's up, everyone? Welcome to Popcorn Politics with, with myself and Sanali. My name is Bree, and we are here to talk about a book we have recently been reading. Sonali, can you please give the audience a brief of what the book is, the author, and the topic? So the book is called The Hate You Give, and you is spelled like the letter U, and it's about a young girl. She's, I think, 16 years old, and she witnesses her childhood friend dying at the hands of a police officer. And so the book is about all of the complex relationships and all of the consequences of this incident. It's written by Angie Thomas. And um, what, else? what else is important? The book is mainly about police brutality, but it also goes into some other really important issues like race and class and education, things like that. So with that being said, there is a trigger warning for those of you who are very sensitive to these topics. Um, right now, we read chapters 1 through 13 in this book, so basically we're halfway in the book. Um, we're going to finish it next week's episode. Um, so basically, our characters that we have is Star, who is what Sonali had said, the main character. She's 16 years old. She is an African-American teenager. We also have Khalil, the mother, the father, and the main character's boyfriend, Chris. Um, so yeah, without further ado, let's, let's get into the book. So where do you want to start off? So, um, actually, I don't know. Um, so I, I actually wanted to give like a brief overview of what we've seen so far. So we saw, um, it starts off with Star at a party. She never goes to parties, which is something that's also really interesting for a high school student to never go to parties. She doesn't like parties but she ends up at a party in her home neighborhood, which is not usually where she hangs out because she goes to school in a more affluent neighborhood, but this party is with her home people. And after the party, she leaves because of a shooting at the party and she ends up with her friend, witnessing her friend dying. And there are just so many emotions and things that you know we get to experience with star because this is such a heavy topic um so after that she she's obviously traumatized and everyone else is trying to support her but they're also having a hard time her friends at school aren't really able to understand what's going on with her and she she doesn't feel comfortable sharing with them why she's so upset she lies at times and says um, that she's upset about something else when it's actually the death of her friend that she's so upset about. Um, and meanwhile, she has a boyfriend, a white boyfriend, Chris, who very few people know about. She hasn't told all of her family members because they're very overprotective of her. And he also has a complex relationship with race. 
Um, and she, she has her own journey trying to explain to him why this is so important. And we're just now getting to the point actually where they're possibly going to um, talk about this more because they haven't really, they've kind of skirted around the issue. They haven't really talked about it. So, Perfect. Yeah, those were the main parts from me. And of course, there's also um, there's also some mentions of gang life because some of the characters are either former or current gang members. And you know, in our society, depending on where you live, a lot of people label gang members as bad people or something. But this book kind kind of goes into what a complex issue that is also. Like, what does it mean to be a gang member? How does one become a gang member? And how do you get out of the gang life if you want to? And what I've read so far in the book that Khalil, one of the main characters up until I believe chapter four, he was actually kind of one of those people that people thought were was in a gang, like selling drugs, doing the bad illegal stuff. And um, with Star living in some place, as they say, pretty ghetto. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about the setting. So I do see how the setting of the book, it has a lot of community to it because people know each other. One and two, how very separated and how misunderstood these people are, especially since they're in a white dominant kind of like you know, neighborhood in this book. And I kind of feel with Star about how she feels out of place because all through the book, she just talked about how she's very hard on herself and how she wants to affiliate with certain type of people because she didn't want to be put in the spotlight like Khalil did. I think that was actually one of my favorite parts about this, really exploring the complexity of what it's like to be star in, in her neighborhood, in her affluent school, and in her family. Because I think she has to be a different kind of Black girl in all three of those settings. She can't totally be fully herself in really any of those places. Because, you know, at school, she's not white enough. And she talks about learning to, you know, code switch when she goes to the police officer, she also has to code switch when she's trying to tell her story. When she's at home, she's not able to tell her family about her boyfriend. And when she's with her neighborhood friends, she has to pretend to like partying and stuff. And, um, and this is something that the author, Angie Thomas, actually talked about in one of her interviews. She, she was saying that a lot of people really praise her for, um, for bringing in all these complex issues. And they say, how did you do all of this? How did you bring so many issues into one book? And she says, actually, I, I wasn't trying to pack issues into this book. I was just trying to write a story about girlhood and how, what it means for a girl to grow up black. And, and that's something that really you know, stuck out to me because I've always been interested in 
racial identity, you know, as an immigrant. And I think that's something that a lot of us immigrants have to deal with, like how to be completely ourselves in any setting. Because we, I think we all have to show certain parts of ourselves and hide certain parts of ourselves, depending on where we are. And Star has to deal with this, but the consequences and the circumstances are just so much more severe that we really feel the reality of what that means for her to have to be a different person in each setting. I really like how you talked about how, uh, what is the author's name, Angie? Angie Thomas. Angie Thomas, how she was, she was an author that wanted to really get to know minorities just so she could write this book about Star. And that's the one thing that I really like about authors because I really want to live in the moment before they actually write the book. And that's why people don't really know about books because books are really overlooked. And that's one of the things why in popcorn politics, we want to bring in a lot more books so people would know like, hey, books actually like help us a lot, especially along the way. And uh, I just want to dig deep into the mind of the main character, Star. Um, right now, all, what we know is that she feels out, she feels like an outsider, like Sonali said. And we really do feel that and we really do see that. And basically in school, like Sonali told us about how she couldn't tell her parents that she was dating Chris, but in school, she really couldn't tell her friends what was going on back home because she felt like she wasn't going to be understood. And because of that, most of her friends in school that she made, they're either white or Asian. And the only black friend that she had was Khalil, who died in this book because of police brutality. And it really made her even feel more out of place because that was like one of those people that she looked up to. Um, so I do have a question for you. I... I just want to know, like, you already, sh you already shared your thoughts on this book, but do you resonate with Star or any of the main characters of the book as you were reading up until that stop point? Um, I really liked Star, and um, I think Angie Thomas did a really good job of making her, even though she was very different from anything. She, the things she experiences on a daily basis are different, very different from anything I've ever experienced. But she did a really good job of making her relatable somehow. You know, making her, um, because her character was so complex, there were so many different sides to her. And for example, she, she seems kind of more nerdy. Like she and her friends, she and Khalil and Natasha, when they were younger, used to play games related to Voldemort in Harry Potter and so she seems a little bit more nerdy and her friends are all out partying and drinking and all she wants to do is play basketball and buy basketball shoes and wear sweatshirts so she's not really concerned about all of the things her friends are doing and so that's something I could kind of relate to as a kid um and also, I just, I, I really liked the way that Angie showed us 
all of the emotions that Star was feeling so that we could understand what it was like to be in her place. Like, we could really empathize with her. I definitely agree with that. But as for me, um, I really do resonate with a mix of Star and Khalil. Because as I said earlier, what both of us have said earlier is that Khalil, a lot of people in his neighborhood thought that he was like a gang member selling drugs. And for me, actually growing up in a white predominant place as me being an immigrant myself from Mexico, I heard people say that I'm here just so I could take their jobs and that I'll never get anywhere in life, which down the road, I proved them wrong. And with Star, I had like, you know, I had like two sides to myself growing up, like at home. I had like my Hispanic side where I was very hospitable. I was speaking Spanish and I, at school, I had that like outgoing, like that personality that people who were white wanted me to have. So I didn't feel out of place, if you know what I mean. Um, but I do resonate with both of those characters in a way that I, that it really kind of hit home for me. Um, I do want to get to the police brutality of the book because that was a huge turning point of the book because that's when Khalil died. So they got pulled over because he had a busted taillight, I believe it said, and he complied with the cop. The only thing he asked was why was he pulled over, but he complied with the cop. He got out with his hands up. He asked her if she was okay, and she was like, yeah, but the thing that actually got him shot and dead was the fact that he asked Star if she was okay because she was sitting in the front seat. And because he asked her that, because he only took one step towards the window just to ask her, he got shot. I think it said four to five times, is it? And I, it kind of broke my heart. I was actually crying throughout it because not only Khalil was killed because he was checking on his friend, but Star witnessed the whole thing. She saw all the blood that came out. She saw his him falling from the car to the ground. And I honestly hope that I'm never in the shoes of Star, if anything. Um, I just want to know your thoughts on that and how what went on when in your mind when you were reading through that part about Khalil and him dying in the hands of a cop? Yeah, I, it was really heartbreaking for me too. And I think one reason was because um, this was the first time after a really long time that they had reconnected because Star and Khalil were childhood friends, but it seemed like they had kind of not grown apart, but they'd kind of separated ways a little bit, and each one had their own group of friends, and they didn't spend time together as much until they're both at this party, and they decide to leave the party together because they want to avoid whatever drama is happening at that party. So this is the first time that they're spending time together, and Star mentions that um, even after all this time she like feels a connection to him like she feels like no time has passed and so 
the fact that he dies right after that just makes it so much more sad because imagine the friendship that they could have had had he not been shot like they could have they could have kept this friendship going for many years but also i wanted to bring up um how when star meets with this attorney who i think she's an attorney who wants to advocate for her because star is getting into she starts doing some interviews she starts getting questioned by police and so this advocate from a nonprofit organization offers to um support star pro bono and so star and her mom go to this attorney and the attorney um the attorney points out that even though star is feeling really you know guilty about everything that actually Khalil was not um was not armed he was not a lot of the things that were suspected of him weren't true. Like he wasn't, um, he didn't have a gun in the car. And when police were questioned, they always said, we shot him because he was armed. We saw a gun in the car. And Star says, well, actually, I don't know. He might've had a gun in the car. What am I supposed to say to the police when they ask me that question? And the attorney says, actually, the, the object that the police thought was a gun was actually a hairbrush. And so that just makes it so much more heartbreaking because Khalil was shot because of a hairbrush. Like the police didn't even take the time to verify what that object was. And they just assumed that probably because he's black that he had a gun in the car. Yeah, and that actually takes me back to uh... Back, I think it was in 2015 or 2016 when a cop allegedly shot someone because they thought they were holding a gun when it was a cell phone, if you remember the news. And it really is prominent now in the modern times because there's a lot of police shootings when it comes to African-Americans because of the things that they possessed in their car or in their hand at the time, which... I hope that hopefully down the line, police do see that, that there's a discrepancy of how they felt and what they thought it was. And so I really hope that if anyone, especially cop, were to read this book, that they see that there's something wrong with how they're being trained. And I definitely believe with how police brutality was mentioned and how it was kind of written about in this book compared to nowadays how very similar it is and so I definitely believe this book did a really fine great job on giving that advocacy. Last I remember we were talking about um, the cell phone like a cop saw a cell phone and they thought it was a gun. Well yeah because have you heard about um how a cop allegedly shot a black person all because they thought he was holding a gun when it was a cell phone? I don't remember that actually. Who, do you remember what the person's name was? No, I don't. All I know is that the cop who was called to investigate a call, a disturbance call, came to the neighborhood and 
this cop thought that this African-American who was talking on the phone in his front porch was threats. So he said to the news sources that he thought that this African-American guy was holding a gun when he was actually talking on the phone. And I believe that with this, this story shadowing what it's like to be a victim of police brutality or someone who's actually witnessed it, I just hope that when it comes to the police academy or the police department, how they could have better understanding or a better training of what to really look for to really know that someone is a threat. Yeah, I think part of it might be that in the moment, if you're a cop, you're so focused on like staying safe and you kind of have to react like really quickly. And so if you think you see a gun, like your automatic response might be to defend yourself. But that suspicion might totally be wrong and it can lead to something like this happening. So there have there has to be like some sort of um some sort of like other response besides shooting someone if you see a gun in their car or something that might be a gun. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, I really do think that cops, especially those who are called for a disturbance call like that, should at least talk to that person before they end up, you know, even pulling out their weapon. Because I think it's better if things are talked out, literally 70 to 80% of all police related deaths and shootings would have been prevented. Um, and another thing I really wanna talk about is to transition from Star and how she thought and felt after she came home from that experience. I want to go to where she was not interrogated, but where she was interviewed by a few cops, how her mom was kind of very protective of the whole entire situation. Because at that moment in time, Star's mom thought that she was being interrogated in a wrong way. So I just really want to know your thoughts on that part of the book, how Star was coming in for an interview, but her mom thought that these cops were interrogating her in a way. Sonali. Oh, I was muted, sorry. <laughs> so one thing that stood out to me was that the police officers seemed to really not understand what Star had gone through. And they had like zero empathy for Star. They kept asking her all of these like really um, emotionally difficult questions and her mom had to keep reminding them to give her a moment because they just they wanted an answer and then the other thing was they um whenever they were whenever star was talking about what happened with khalil they kept asking about his involvement with um gangs and if he was a drug dealer and 
clearly being a drug dealer had nothing to do with the incident because he got pulled over supposedly because of a broken taillight and that has nothing to do with whether he was a drug dealer or whether he was in a gang or anything so that was just unfair questions it seemed like to be asking her and her mom like rightfully stood up for star i honestly respect her mom i would have done the same thing if my little girl had to be interviewed by a cop all because of what she witnessed i really like the end of that chapter though how her mom i think it was her mom or star how they said Khalil wasn't the one who pointed the gun at himself. It was the cop. Why aren't you interviewing him? Why aren't you interrogating him? Like you're interrogating us. That's the thing that kind of caught my attention because as I was going through with Star and her, you know, her experience with the police, um, I, w I, I was thinking like, why aren't they talking to the cop? Like, are they talking to the cop and the author isn't telling us or are they not because they think that what he did wasn't wrong and that he did whatever he had to do. And so all throughout the book, after I read that, I was like, okay, where's the cop? Are they doing anything with him? Are they going to arrest him? And then throughout the book, we do find out that the cops aren't going to do anything about it because they think that he did good and that Khalil was the one who interrogated the shooting in the first place. So that was all that went through my mind up until where we stopped in chapter 13. And I just wanted to know what part of the book stood out to you the most out of the whole entire thing where we started in chapter one to where we stopped in chapter 13. I think the parts that really stand out to me as I'm thinking about it now are um, after Star is trying to process everything still and she has to go back to school because, because her mom is really serious about education and she says, I'm not paying for that expensive school for you to skip school. So Star like tries to get out of school, but there's only so much, so many days you can miss, right? So she has to go back to school and her friends are these mostly white, very rich kids who, while Star was going through this horrible incident, they were vacationing at Harry Potter world and still complaining about it somehow. And so there's this really awkward gap between their experiences and still they're trying to repair their relationship because they, they sense that something's not right with Star and she's really upset at them and also about something else. They try to talk to her about it. We haven't, we haven't heard this conversation yet because I think it happens after chapter 13. So we'll have to see whether they actually become friends again and what that friendship looks like. I wanna talk about one of the friends for a moment. Her name is Haley in the book. Her and Star, they used to be pretty close up until it said how she posted about Emmett Till, who was killed because he whistled out a white woman back in 19, in the 1900s or the 1800s, I don't remember. But after that, like, she, 
I don't know how to say it, but all throughout the book, she was kind of like hesitant around Star and a few of the places in the book, and especially towards this basketball game, if anything. And talking about that, like not only that the book covered police brutality and what it's like to be part of different social classes in a, a city like where Star lives, but it talked about feminism too. So I just wanted to point out that this book isn't just about police brutality and what it's like being African-American in a white predominant place, but it also talked about a little bit about like femininity and how in the school they were talking about the women basketball team was kind of letting the men, you know, call them all these names all because they are women. Um, but I just wanted to point that out, that it also talked about something as serious as that too, since it is still a modern thing when it comes to professionalism with women. Um, is there anything you would like to point out about the book that we we have not pointed out yet, like at all? Um, oh, I, um, I can't remember if we talked about the name um like the hate you give infant we didn't so the name of the book the hate you give infants or the hate you give comes from a song that tupac shakur sang and it stands for the hate you give little infants fucks everyone and and when he wrote this song, he was referencing this shooting of a young girl named Latasha Harlins in 1991 in Los Angeles. And so when the author, Angie Thomas, was, um, was thinking about what to name this book, she was thinking about that girl and how Tupac Shakur said that her death affected the whole city. So it was kind of like she was the infant and the hate she received damaged the whole city. And, um, and that's kind of what happened to Khalil as Star learns. Everyone labels him a drug dealer, but her, her dad points out what caused him to be a drug dealer in the first place. Like people don't just become drug dealers something happens in their childhood or in their community that leads them to that life and and so the heat the hate that khalil received is what the rest of this book is about is there like a set a set lesson or a set let's say different perspective that you've gained just by reading this book alone Um, I think I really just liked seeing, um, complex characters and relationships because that's not something you see very often in, um, books about people of color. I know that's, that's really sad that that's this rare, but I liked how this book wasn't just about 
um, the shooting of Khalil. It had all of these other things. And that's because, like how we were talking about earlier, Angie Thomas really wanted to make a book about girlhood and what it was like to be a Black girl growing up in this country. And I think that's why I like this book so much, because it really explored those issues of identity and growing up and sexuality and class and all of those things come together to make up the experience of what it's like to grow up as a girl in America and as a Black girl. All right. Um, so last question about the whole entire, um, especially with the main character, knowing what we know now about the character, the events, and her family, and now her family was, especially her family that was affected. If you were star in the real world right now, would you have changed anything about what you did or how you felt or your feelings towards a specific part of the book? We're talking about if you were star right now in the modern world, not in her world, now in this modern day and age right here, right now. That's an interesting question. Um, I think it's really hard to, it's really hard to make a judgment in the moment because, because um, what we say in the moment is really influenced by like so many different circumstances and things like that. But um, I think I would have tried to be more, um, more assertive when I was talking to the police officers and also the friends. Um, and I know that's really difficult for me to say because I wasn't in that situation. But I think the more that we stand up to people like that, the more, um, the more change we're capable of making. And it all starts with, it's all like one step at a time. So the more that we can do with each step, the more we can come in the long term. That is okay. I don't know how to answer that. Literally, like, that was really deep. Um, yeah. I I'm trying to gather my thoughts right now about what you just said, plus me myself trying to put myself in star shoes as to what I would do but I don't think I would have acted or thought any different especially if especially if I was in her world like it really yeah. changed my perspective on how a teenager that's a woman lives in a predominantly white neighborhood and this thing happens like I have no other words about this I know I think at 16 I would have never I don't know what I would have done at 16. But I think she, like a lot of people in these types of situations had to grow up very quickly. And so I think that's another thing. She seems a lot more mature than she actually is because of the life she's had to live. Yeah, and I definitely see her as someone who has an amazing life ahead of her and with her like her personality and the things that she saw especially in this book and growing up because 
her long lost her long life friend Natasha was killed by a drive by shooting that is still have yet to have some sort of justice for it. And they were only like toddlers, I believe. They were, I think, seven to nine nine years old, if I remember what the book said correctly. And that was one of her other friends that got shot and killed right in front of her. And so knowing what we know now about her, about her personality and how she lived, I definitely believe that putting in this advocate in the book that's working with her, I definitely believe that's going to be a foreshadow of who Star will be when she's somewhere our age or a little older. Oh, that's interesting. So she might, she might become an advocate when she gets older. Yeah, I've definitely been thinking about that, especially reading about her specifically in her thought process because she saw two of her friends die and none of them getting justice as of yet. And hopefully Khalil does at the end of the book, but we won't know yet. But with someone who is an advocate for her family and her community, I definitely believe that was a foreshadow of who she is going to end up being when she's older because of the things that she's witnessed at such a young age. That would be really, really um, gratifying to see. So I'm curious, what else are you hoping for in the rest of the book? We've only read about half of it so far. We still have chapters 14 to 26 to read. I'm hoping that, as I said before, I'm hoping that the cop who actually shot and killed Khalil gets questioned by the police department, by higher authorities, like a judge, and hopefully a plaintiff, if anything, if they take him to court, because I really do hope that Khalil does get the justice that Star's best friend, Natasha, never gotten. And because he what he did was so wrong khalil he only did what every good friend would do and to check on star to see if she was okay because she she was in the car with him and so that was the one thing that i hope to see in the later chapters as we finish this book up and talking about it in our next episode um is about that cop specifically and if he's ever questioned or interrogated or even put put through the court system and then be behind bars. I do see similarities. I don't know if you um, thought about this as well, but I do see similarities between Star and Khalil and Trayvon Martin from 2012 and his friend Rachel, because Rachel was also a witness to Trayvon's death, right? And Rachel gets questioned, and um, I think one difference was that even though I think Star and Rachel were both very dark-skinned, and Rachel was kind of um, discredited, probably because of that, and because she wasn't, um, the way she talked was, wasn't very, um, it wasn't the same way that like white people talk, and I think that had something to do with how she wasn't taken credibly. And so I'm hoping that's not what happens to Star because 
in contrast, Star knows how to code switch. She talks about, you know, changing her tone of voice and things like that whenever she's talking to police officers or even friends at school. So hopefully there's a different outcome for her. Also, um, Star has had moments where she, she hesitates to speak up because I think she values the peace and um, comfort of the refuge that is her school, Riverton High. And so she, she hesitates to speak up because maybe she's scared of the consequences or something, but there's moments where other people encourage her to speak up and she's still grappling with that. So we'll see if she actually becomes more of an advocate for her friends who have died or maybe she continues, you know, living in shadow and trauma, which I, I wouldn't judge her, of course, if she doesn't really speak up because it's, it's a really difficult thing for someone who has suffered through all of that to do. But it does also like set an example for the rest of us. So I'm curious to see what choices she makes. Yeah, definitely, especially with her decisions from, from here going onward. And especially, hopefully, because this was a fairly new book, I'm hoping that the author does like a second one to see, so we could actually see and learn more about Star and where she went in life. Because um, I'm actually really excited for her and I'm wanting to know more about her as she does grow up. But yeah, do you have any last statements, questions, anything? So I, I'm glad that we're discussing this in two parts, actually, because um, this is a really heavy topic. And um, I think reading it over a longer period of time helps me absorb the difficult issues and all of the emotions that come with it. And really like reflect on everything that's happening. Yeah, and <clears throat> with me, I'm trying to relate the book with what's happening in our world, in our lives. And I definitely think with that being connected towards each other, there'll be a bigger understanding of pop culture and especially cultures and books as to, as to what's happening in everyday society. So going forward, talking about rather it's books, movies, music, I'm going to try to connect it to the real world as much as possible, rather it came from history or if it has to do with what we're going through now. And I'm hoping that people who do listen to us have a change of perspective when we talk about things like this, because it's really hard for us to talk about, especially when it comes to police brutality, because it did happen just recently. And it kind of, it's really hard for us to talk about. And this is why we made popcorn politics, so we could try and help educate people through pop culture and to see if we could change their perspective and a lot of stuff, because I see a lot of people that don't really care of changing their perspective 
unless it has to do with pop culture itself. Yeah, I think that's one of the beauties of pop culture. It brings people that wouldn't otherwise be interested in these topics and um, helps them understand the topics in a different way. Speaking yeah. of um, there's so a lot of people that wouldn't have read this book otherwise are now talking about it the past few years because it's been turned into a movie in it was made into a movie in 2018 I think in November and so that's one reason that a lot of people actually started talking about this book where they wouldn't have otherwise that is true I heard that it got turned into a movie um I don't think I've seen it on Netflix but I definitely believe it would be on Hulu and on Prime Prime movies and video I believe yeah, so that's a question for listeners, I guess. Um, if you have seen the movie, what did you think? And would you recommend watching the movie versus reading the book? Or do you have thoughts about those two mediums? Exactly. And that's another thing that we're going to try to do in popcorn politics. We're going to try and involve people in our discussions by asking questions and having them answer through Twitter. Tag us on our panhandle at Popcorn Politic. Um, on Twitter, if, if you do ever answer our questions, or if you ever have thoughts or what you think about our discussion, because we are open to it. We are open to any thing that you would have to say, and we will try to include it in our next episode. Um, and for that, we do close. Again, the book that we're going over is The Hate You Give. And it's really a heavy topic book that we're gonna do a two-part two episode on. Um, so for next episode, we're going to cover the rest of the book and we're gonna cover our final thoughts and what we thought about it. So for those who tune in to this episode, thank you so much, we appreciate you. And we hope to see you next week in Popcorn Politics. This is Brian Sonali, and we say goodnight. Remember to follow us on Popcorn Politics on Twitter and, and give us your thoughts. All righty. Bye, everyone.